Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey there, friends. Lucifer Means Lightbringer here. How have you been? I was thinking the other day about what topics to cover next, and it occurred to me that I've never made a proper video about the all-important connection between the White Walkers and the Weirwoods. I've talked about this here and there in several videos, but it seems like it's high time to focus in on it and show exactly why I think the White Walkers of the Wood, as they are known, actually white-walked their way right out of the Weirwoods. White trees, white walkers. That's how it goes, apparently. The one video that I would say makes a nice pairing with this one is the Symbolism of the Others Kingsguard video, although you don't have to watch that one first or anything. We'll just be working with a lot of the same symbolism as in that video, but taking it in a different direction, into the woods. Alright, today I have a very special guest to read the promo. He's a King of Winter of House Stark who says his name is, let me see, King Bernard Stark. Although I don't recall Bran mentioning- Hello, this is Bernie S I mean Bernie S Bernard, King Bernard Stark. And I'm here today amongst all these hardworking statues to talk about supporting the middle class. We're gonna build a grassroots movement to subscribe to the Lucifer Means Lightbringer channel. And we're gonna ask people to sign up for Patreon and make a small one-time donation to paypal.me mythical astronomy. Now, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to talk about this Littlefinger fellow and what he's doing to our hey, economy. Uh, th thanks very much, uh, your majesty. Uh, but aren't you really Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders and not Bernard Stark, deceased spirit of a king of winter? Well, I do understand why you would say that. I do. But let me ask you, if I weren't a king of winter, then why am I a statue in the crypts of Winterfell? Ah, uh, that's a good point, actually. Yes, you need the mittens down here, because it's very cold. Now, as I was saying, in my view, the working class of Westeros cannot continue to support and finance the fiscal irresponsibility of Lord Treasurer Baelish for far too long. Yes, yes, it's all Littlefinger's fault. I like the sound of this Bernard Stark fellow. Say, did you know a Ned Stark? Honest fellow, long face, not very talkative. Anyway, you think I can pin all this on Littlefinger, because... Gods, she's found me again! There you are. That's because you keep hiding in the same place, King Robert. Yes, yes, run and hide, you reckless excuse for a king, and... Oh, howdy-do! A howdy-do, good lady. I am Bernard Stark, King of the Starks. But who are the Starks? Well, we all are. We're all the Starks, and I am your king. King, eh? Very nice. Well, I didn't vote for you. I thought we were an autonomous collective. 
Actually, autonomous collectives are more fair system of governance than feudal monarchy, now, now that you mention it. Yes, of course, because supreme executive power must be derived from a mandate from the masses. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. All right, children, gather round and listen to a story all about how your buddy LML got 4,000 upvotes on a Reddit post one time. It was all the way back during season five of Game of Thrones. You remember the HBO TV show bearing the same title as the first book of A Song of Ice and Fire, right? Anyway, season five, episode six, called The Children, gave us the show canonical origin of the White Walkers, or at least the Night King character, who in turn makes the White Walkers. You all remember, right? The children of the forest have this poor guy whose identity we never learn, frustratingly, tied to a weirwood tree. And while Bran and Bloodraven look on from the future, one of the children of the forest jams a nice-sized, sharp hunk of obsidian into the chest of this man in excruciatingly slow fashion. As the dragon glass goes in, we see the man's eyes turn blue, and Bran wakes from his vision, demanding to know why the children did such a thing, with the answer being that it was a desperate attempt by the children to win their war against humanity against the first men. Now, although I expect the book canon to be different and more complex than the show here, as it tends to be regarding issues of magic and world building, I have to say that the presence of the Weirwood Tree in this making of the Night King ritual definitely jumped out at me, since I already had a basic theory going about the White Walkers having come from the Weirwoods in some sense. So, what I did, clever fellow that I am, is to hop on my computer right in the middle of the episode and, using the notes on the topic that I had already gathered, I threw together a super quick write-up on the White Walker Weirwood thing and posted it on Reddit right after the episode finished, just to kind of say, hey guys, I think HBO got this basic idea from the books. Now, because of the timing and the cleverness of the clues, I ended up getting tons of upvotes and obtained fleeting Reddit fame. Clever clues such as this line from Asha Greyjoy's Wayward Bride chapter of A Dance with Dragons. The wooden watchtower was the tallest thing this side of the mountains, rising 20 feet above the biggest sentinels and soldier pines in the surrounding woods. There, Captain, said Crom when she made the platform. Asha saw only trees and shadows, the moonlit hills and the snowy peaks beyond. Then she realized that the trees were creeping closer. Oh ho, she laughed. These mountain goats have cloaked themselves in pine boughs. The woods were on the move, creeping toward the castle like a slow green tide. She thought back to a tale she had heard as a child about the children of the forest and their battles with the first men when the green seers turned the trees to warriors. Oh ho yourself, what's this now, Asha? Green seers turning trees into warriors to fight the first men? That sounds a lot like what they depicted on the show, so these legends that Asha has heard about the Green Seers making tree warriors could be a reference to the creation of the others. Otherwise, we have Tree and Sign, and J.R.R. Tolkien's ghost is filing for copyright infringement. I kid, I kid, everybody uses stuff from Tolkien, and Tolkien did not invent tree people either. But more importantly, there are specific clues in this passage that we should be thinking of the others when we hear about these trees turned into warriors. When Asha takes a look at the forest where her soldier Krom had pointed, she at first sees only trees and shadows, moonlight and snow. But according to my theory here, the others are kind of like snowy shadows, cast by the trees that only come out to dance in the moonlight. Then when Asha looks harder, she sees, instead of trees and shadows, tree warriors, emerging from the dark of the wood, if you will. Furthermore, the people posing as trees here are Northmen, under the leadership of Stannis, who at this point is a Night's King figure, leading a host down from the wall and into Westeros. 
Asha calls them mountain goats because these are Northmen from the mountain clans, but that simply implies them as tree warriors with horns. Horned Lord and Green Man symbolism, in other words. This makes sense because, as we saw in the Garth the Green Man video, the Green Men seem to have been both horny antlered folk and green seers whose spirits reside inside the weirwood. Hence, they may have something to do with making tree warriors from weirwood trees. Stannis himself, who leads the army, has all the Stagman symbolism of House Baratheon as well. Then we have this line from Cotter Pike in A Storm of Swords, who is expressing skepticism about Samwell Tarly, Sam the Slayer, having killed a White Walker on the way back from the Fist of the First Men, which of course he did. Sam the Slayer, he said by way of greeting. Are you sure you stabbed another and not some child's snow knight? Well, well, some child's snow knight, eh? Are the others snow knights created by the children of the forest? Well, in the show, the answer is yes, uh, kind of. The children of the forest made the Night King, and he turns human babies into White Walkers. In book canon, I think the role played by the children of the forest here in creating the White Walkers will be more complicated and will involve weirwoods and perhaps green men, who are green seers and who seem to be allied with the children. But the bottom line is that the White Walkers seem to have been created with the aid of, let's call it, green seer magic in general, and therefore might be the trees turned into warriors that Asha has heard legends of. Here's another angle to the idea of the Others as some child's snow knight. Because we know the Others collect Craster's male babies and either turn them into White Walkers or somehow use them to make White Walkers, we could say that they are children turned into snow knights. If it's more a matter of sacrificing the offered children and using their essence to make a White Walker, and I do think this makes more sense than simply touching a baby and turning its eyes blue, by the way, then we could say that the Others are snow knights of the children who are sacrificed. Some child's snow knight, indeed. One also recalls that the bastard children born in the north are named Snow, and where does that tradition come from? Alright, so we've found these clever wordplay clues, suggesting the others as tree warriors, with links to the children of the forest and the green seers. And maybe we also notice the similarity between the language of the children of the forest being like the song of stones in a brook, or the wind through the leaves, or the rain upon the water. And the speech of the other, that speaks to Waymar, being like the cracking of ice on a winter lake. It's nature speech either way, so maybe they are similar beings, right? And maybe, just maybe, we read The World of Ice and Fire and noticed that the Ephekevron, who are described exactly like the children of the forest, are called the Woods Walkers, and that Ephekevron means those who walk in the woods, which sounds damn similar to White Walkers of the Wood. So yes, now that we've picked up on some of these clever wordplay clues about the others being trees turned into warriors, we can go back and look at the scenes with the others and see if the idea fits, both in terms of symbolic language and, more importantly, in terms of thematic role. And when we do, we find that the White Walkers of the Wood are spelled out as tree warriors from the very first page of the Waymar Royce prologue, which begins A Game of Thrones. The action in the chapter is this, essentially. Three Night's Watch brothers push deep into the haunted forest, despite the woods growing more haunted and more menacing with every step north. And eventually, they encounter the terrifying others who kill Waymar and drive Garrod mad. In this, the White Walkers come across almost like icy elves right from the beginning. They emerge from the haunted woods and eliminate the trespassers, just as forest guardians are wont to do in fairy folklore. In fact, George R. R. Martin describes the White Walkers as being of the Fae. He calls them strange, beautiful, think, oh, the she made of ice, something like that. 
a different sort of life, inhuman, elegant, dangerous. Now, as I learned in the first Song of Ice and Fire YouTube video that ever completely blew my mind, which was Quinn's Ideas video called The True Origin of the White Walkers, which I'll link to in the description below. The She, or the Ice She, are a supernatural race from Irish folklore, somewhat comparable to fairies or elves. The Aishi are said to live underground in fairy mounds. Aishi actually means people of the mounds, or sometimes across the western sea, or even in an invisible world that coexists with the world of humans, which is called the other world. That's right, and it gets worse, and here I'll quote from Wikipedia's summary. The Aishi are seen as fierce guardians of their abodes, whether a fairy hill, a fairy ring, or a special tree, often a hawthorn, or a particular lock or wood. It is believed that infringing on these spaces will cause the Aishi to retaliate in an effort to remove the people or objects that invaded their homes. Many of these tales contribute to the changeling myth in Western European folklore, with the Aishi kidnapping trespassers or replacing their children with changelings as a punishment for transgressing. Well, you can see the parallels to the others practically spilling off the page here. The Aishi steal babies like the others do, and specifically they steal the babies of those who encroach on their territory, so think anyone living north of the wall potentially. And as I was saying a moment ago, the Aishi are known for fiercely defending their nature homes, be that burial mound, sacred tree, or haunted wood. So, returning to the Waymar prologue, when we see the others emerge after Waymar has ignored every sign to turn back. The darkness has an edge to it, the trees are clawing at Waymar as he presses through, the old seasoned rangers are nervous when they ordinarily would not be, and so on. It really does read like the others coming out to defend the woods from trespassers, just like the icy ice she that they are. This is also the exact same thematic setup as the Wayward Bride chapter, where Asha thinks about the Green Seers turning trees to warriors. The Ironborn are the unwelcome invaders in the wood this time. A Northman straight up tells Asha that the North is no home for squids. Then, when the Ironborn refuse to leave, tree warriors that used to be goat people materialize from the wood to slaughter them and drive them out. This kind of thematic consistency is exactly what we're looking for when we're comparing scenes with similar symbolic language. It's how we know we're on the right track. Jumping back over to the Waymar prologue, the tree symbolism of the others appears as soon as the others do. The first sign of the walkers is Waymar calling out, who goes there? And in response it says, the woods gave answer, the rustle of leaves, the icy rush of the stream, a distant hoot of a snow owl. The others made no sound. Will saw movement from the corner of his eye, pale shapes gliding through the wood. He turned his head, glimpsed a white shadow in the darkness, then it was gone. Branches stirred gently in the wind, scratching at one another with wooden fingers. Pale shapes gliding through the wood. Those are the white walkers of the wood, the white shadows. And then when the other confronts Waymar a moment later, it says, rather infamously, a shadow emerged from the dark of the wood. These white walkers really do seem to be coming from the trees, don't they? Waymar hears the others, calls out, and then it says the woods gave answer. Also notice the very cool symbolism thing that happens here when Will loses sight of the white walker. It says, then it was gone, branches stirred gently in the wind, scratching at one another with wooden fingers, as if a tree person has taken the place of the other. But the others are tree people, if my theory is right. And this is actually a great mirror to the scene with Asha in the wolf's wood, where she at first sees only trees, shadows, and moonlight on the snow, and then the tree warriors appear, seeming to materialize right out of the dark forest. All right, now continuing with the description of the actual others as they appear to Waymar and Will, we see a lot of the same language that is used to describe the Weirwoods. 
A shadow emerged from the dark of the wood. It stood in front of Royce, tall it was, and gaunt and hard as old bones, with flesh pale as milk. Its armor seemed to change color as it moved. Here it was white as new-fallen snow, there black as shadow, everywhere dappled with the deep gray-green of the trees. The patterns ran like moonlight on water with every step it took. All right, so the other is literally reflecting the images of the trees on its mirror-like ice armor as if it were wearing tree camouflage. And later it describes the shifting patterns of their delicate armor making them all but invisible in the wood. So this is exactly the right idea, tree camouflage. The other emerges from the wood with milk-white flesh, which compares very well to the talking weirwood face beneath the night fort known as the Black Gate, whose tree flesh, quote, glows with milk and moonlight. And of course, don't forget the other's ice sword glows in the moonlight as well. Most importantly, the White Walker facing Waymar is described as hard as old bone here, and that's a big weirwood clue, since the white bark of the weirwoods is nearly always described as bone white, or as looking like old bone, such as in A Dance with Dragons, where we read that the cage Mance Raider is burned in is made of the bone white fingers of the weirwoods. Then when Sam Tarly, Sam the Slayer, stabs another in a storm of swords, we see that it has bone white hands, just like the weirwoods do almost like there's a frozen weirwood skeleton under the ice. This also brings us back very nicely to the wooden fingers on the trees that Will saw right after he saw the other. And by the way, there's even a matching line in the Wayward Bride chapter about the dark and threatening trees of the Wolfswood having higher branches that scratched at the face of the moon. Frozen trees with fingers, that's what the others are. Also, shout out to the Radiohead song Tree Fingers, one of my favorites. Did someone say, frozen trees with fingers? Oh, I did. I said that. Well, let us consult another chilly northern prologue chapter, this time the Varamir Sixkins prologue of A Dance with Dragons, where we find a weirwood tree dressing up as a white walker. Outside, the night was white as death. Pale, thin clouds danced attendance on a silver moon, while a thousand stars watched coldly. He could see the humped shapes of other huts buried beneath drifts of snow, and beyond them, the pale shadow of a weirwood armored in ice. Now, as most of you will know, the others are frequently described as pale shadows or white shadows. Seven times in all, it's their number one symbolic description. So finding a weirwood described as a pale shadow definitely raises my eyebrows. Then we see that it's also armored in ice, just as the others are armored in ice. And oh look, up in the sky, it's a thousand stars watching coldly, just as the others watch through their cold blue star eyes. Lest we have any doubt that Martin is telling us about the others, the frozen pale shadow Weirwood appears only moments before the army of the dead arrives. That's right, and when it does arrive, the line is... Below, the world had turned to ice. Fingers of frost crept slowly up the Weirwood, reaching out for each other. The empty village was no longer empty. Blue-eyed shadows walked amongst the mounds of snow. So now we have icy hands crawling over the bone-white bark of the weirwood. This is very evocative of the bone-white, icy hands of the others, who are pale shadows armored in ice, just like this weirwood. It's almost like the others are emerging from the inside of the tree itself, from the dark of the wood, if you will, reaching out with their icy hands to pull their shadow bodies out of the trees, very like the shadow baby pulling itself from Melisandre's womb. Melisandre's black shadows are, in many ways, direct inverted parallels to the white shadows called the Others, which you can find out more about in the Origins of the Others Night's Queen video, so the parallel does work pretty well. 
You'll also notice the line which reinforces the idea of the others as icy ice-she. It says, blue-eyed shadows walked amongst the mounds of snow. Ice-she means people of the mounds, so here we have cold shadows walking out of snowy mounds. Icy people of the mounds, and emerging just as the frosty fingers are reaching out from the weirwood tree. There's a very cool companion quote to this one to be found back over in a different Asha Greyjoy chapter of A Dance with Dragons, so check it out. The crofter's village stood between two lakes, the larger dotted with small wooded islands that punched up through the ice like the frozen fists of some drowned giant. From one such island rose a weirwood, gnarled and ancient, its bowl and branches white as the surrounding snows. Eight days ago, Asha had walked out with Ali Mormont to have a closer look at its slitted red eyes and bloody mouth. It is only sap, she told herself the red sap that flows inside these weirwoods. But her eyes were unconvinced. Seeing was believing, and what they saw was frozen blood. You Northmen brought these snows upon us, insisted Corliss Penny. You and your demon trees. Relore will save us. All right, there it is, flat out. The horrible snows come from the demon trees, which are the weirwoods. Relora's got this one right, actually, in a roundabout way. Also note the bit about Asha thinking that the weirwood sap looks like frozen blood. The others have frozen blood, of course, though it's pale blue and not red. Still, the idea of frozen blood does evoke the others, especially since the weirwood tree itself is called white as snow, as if it were made of snow, like another. It serves the same symbolic purpose as the weirwood, from the last quote being armored in ice like an other. It's just another way for the author to get us to think about weirwood trees turning into white walkers. The wooded island that the weirwood is on punches up from the iced over lake, like the frozen fists of some drowned giant, which reminds us of the icy, bone-white hands of the others. And once again, you'll notice that we have the connection between icy hands and white weirwoods. Even the drowned giant part refers to weirwoods, because the green seers can be thought of as swimming in, or being drowned in, a green sea, an astral realm tethered to the weirwood trees. And also because the Winterfell heart tree is described as some pale giant frozen in time. Wait, so there are pale things frozen inside the weirwoods? This can't be good. Kidding aside, the symbolic picture here is of something cold trying to get out of the weirwood net. Recall that the one time the other speaks in the A Game of Thrones prologue, its voice is like the cracking of ice on a winter lake. And here is a wooded island that's like a frozen weirwood fist, seeming to crack the ice of a winter lake as it punches up from beneath. The icy lake symbol is actually one of the most important White Walker symbols, and its origins are really cool. Ice cold, in fact. It's actually a reference to Satan of Dante's Inferno, who takes the form of a dragon trapped in a frozen lake in the ninth circle of hell. Ergo, the others sound like the cracking of ice on a winter lake, not just because that might be what icy elves sound like, and not just because emerging from the weirwood net is like emerging from a kind of sea, but also because the invasion of the others is like Satan escaping from a frozen hell. Pretty cool reference if you ask me. And it also pairs well with the notion of the others coming from the weirwoods which are demon trees that bring the horrible snows. This is also where Martin probably got the idea of a frozen hell, such as when he says half the hells are frozen. This all-important icy lake symbol is also referenced right after Varamyr's consciousness briefly inhabits that armored-in-ice, pale-shadow weirwood tree. It says, True death came suddenly. He felt a shock of cold, as if he had been plunged into the icy waters of a frozen lake. Going inside a frozen, otherized weirwood is the same as plunging into an icy lake, in other words. Just as others emerging from the weirwoods is akin to something coming up out of an icy lake. This symbolism is nothing if not horribly consistent, as you can see. 
And while we're in the north with Stannis' army and talking about the others as weirwood warriors emerging from icy lakes, check out the demise of one of Stannis' Stormlands lords, a fellow named Harwood Fell, who fell into a frozen pond and became a popsicle man. On the fifth day of the storm, the baggage train crossed a rippling expanse of waist-high snowdrifts that concealed a frozen pond. When the hidden ice cracked beneath the weight of the wagons, three teamsters and four horses were swallowed up by the freezing water, along with two of the men who tried to rescue them. One was Harwood Fell. His knights pulled him out before he drowned, but not before his lips turned blue and his skin as pale as milk. Nothing they did could seem to warm him afterward. He soon died, poor Lord Harwood Fell, but not before acquiring the milk-white flesh and blue-blooded lips of a white walker. I don't know if the White Walkers have lips, I assume they do, but they do have blue blood, that's the point. So like I said, the Icy Lake symbolism is horribly consistent. At the risk of spelling out the obvious, his name, Harwood, is one letter away from Hardwood, implying him as a tree who fell into an icy lake and became another, or perhaps as a tree person who became another. And this is reinforced by the House Fell sigil, which is a line of green trees below a night sky with a crescent moon. Green tree men transforming into others through the medium of an icy lake, but the icy lake is code for some kind of frozen place inside the weirwoods. Timber! Yeah, that's a joke, sorry. Now look, I know the frostbite death of some random lord, with all respect to Lord Fell, doesn't seem as important as, say, scenes with the actual others. But this is how George likes to hide his symbolism. He loves to use the stories of minor houses to complement the main symbolism in a given scene. In this case, it turns out that House Fell is being used exclusively to tell us about the others as tree warriors. In addition to Harwood's frostbite death in the icy pond, we can observe that House Fell hails from Fellwood in the Stormlands. And Fellwood is just another way of saying evil wood, such as the haunted forest from whence the others come. Of course, being sworn to House Baratheon implies the stag man and green man symbolism that goes with that house. So they are being implied as green men from an evil forest, some of whom are transformed into others. And I don't just mean Harwood Fell. There's also Sir Willis Fell, a lord commander of the Kingsguard, who died of winter fever. The Kingsguard is already dedicated to expressing the symbolism of the others, as we know from the Kingsguard video. So George having him die of winter fever is really just adding insult to injury. Again, he does this layering of repeating symbols thing, specifically so that I have something to throw at you skeptics who come at me in the comments. Ah, wouldn't that be nice. But there can be no doubt. House Fell is telling us about the process of becoming another, and it definitely has something to do with the weirwood trees. Here's a little freebie involving another Kingsguard, Sir Preston Greenfield. House Greenfield is a first man house who apparently has a castle called the Bower, which is made entirely from white weirwood. Greenfield men, living in weirwood castles, but then joining the otherish Kingsguard. The only other named member of House Greenfield is someone named... Garth Greenfield, hilariously. So, you know that we're talking about green men here. And that Garth Greenfield, well, he's captured by Rob Stark's army in the Battle of the Whispering Wood, which itself is all about weirwood symbolism. The weirwoods are literally whispering woods, since whispers on the wind is how green seers like Bran are heard by those that they try to speak to through the trees. And just to sort of jump the shark with this thing, after being captured in the whispering wood, Garth Greenfield is then held captive at Raven Tree Hall, a castle named after and dominated by a dying weirwood tree. Alright, so here is the capstone to all this icy lake weirwood symbolism, and I think you're really going to like this. Sometimes the deep truths are staring us right in the face, as in the Isle of Faces, staring us right in the face from the map itself. 
Raise your hand when you've got the answer, but don't blurt it out. So the God's Eye Lake is a lake with an island in the middle, the Isle of Faces, an island full of weirwood trees. It's pretty easy to see why people call it the God's Eye. For one, the heart trees on the Isle of Faces have the eyes of the gods carved right into them, so it's the Lake of the God's Eyes, right? And two, the lake looks like a big eye, with the Isle of Faces as the pupil and the blue waters of the lake as the iris. A big blue eye is the eye of the gods, the old gods specifically. A big blue eye, and inside this eye, the weirwoods. So, I ask again, do the White Walkers come from the Weirwoods? Could the Weirwoods be the source of the cold ice magic we see inside their blue eyes? And since the Isle of Faces is the home of the Green Men, we could also think about Green Men being inside the bodies of the others. Like, peer into the blue eyes of the others, and inside is a frozen Green Man? That does seem to be the case. Think of the others that Waymar saw, with their ice armor making it look like the others are wearing tree camouflage. So the god's eye is watching us with cold blue intent, and the eyes of the old gods in the Winterfell godswood are watching too, and they remind Cat of the others when Ned speaks of going beyond the wall to deal with Mance Raider. There are darker things beyond the wall. She glanced behind her at the heart tree, the pale bark and red eyes, watching, listening, thinking its long, slow thoughts. His smile was gentle. You listen to too many of old Nan's stories. The others are as dead as the children of the forest, gone 8,000 years. Maester Lewin will tell you they never lived at all. No living man has ever seen one. Well, that's only true because Ned has just recently killed the only living man to see a White Walker. That's his blood on the sword there that Ned is cleaning off. More importantly, this is a clear nod to the reader to associate the White Walkers and the Weirwoods. Lady Catelyn talks about darker things beyond the wall, turns around and looks very deliberately behind her at the heart tree, and Ned knows she's talking about the others. The word watcher is also one to key in on here. The Weirwood is watching Catelyn when she looks at it in the last quote, and a moment later Catelyn thinks of the Weirwood's eyes as strangely watchful, and then thinks that the only Weirwoods found outside of the North were on the Isle of Faces, where the Green Men kept their silent watch. As you can see, the Weirwood watches silently just like the Green Men, so they are both silent watchers. And now back to the A Game of Thrones prologue. Behind him, to right, to left, all around him, the Watchers stood patient, faceless, silent, the shifting patterns of their delicate armor making them all but invisible in the wood. Yikes! The others look like trees, and now they're silent Watchers as well, just like the Weirwoods and just like the Green Men. The others are called Faceless, too, and are effectively Nameless, being all identical, just as Ned's own gods were the Old Ones, the Nameless, Faceless gods of the Greenwood. One should also note that, right before the others appeared in this scene, Will, who had just climbed a tree, utters a prayer to the nameless gods of the wood, presumably the same nameless weirwood gods that Ned prays to. One small problem, though. It wasn't the old gods who answered, but the cold gods. But then, perhaps, they are the same folks. And a big tip of the hat to Ravenous Reader for that find. Then a moment later, when the others finally move in to finish Sir Waymar, it says, The Watchers moved forward together, as if some signal had been given. Swords rose and fell, all in a deathly silence. So once again, the White Walkers are silent watchers, just like the Weirwoods that make Catelyn think of the others, and just like the Green Men, who keep silent watch over the Weirwoods inside a giant blue eye of the gods. The others make no sound. 
So what exactly happened here, you might be wondering. Why are the White Walkers kind of like walking frozen weirwood trees, but also like frozen green men? And if they came out of the trees, then how and why did that happen? Well, my thinking is this. The Green Men were some of the first Green Seers to send their spirits into the trees, which then became their home or their afterlife. Azor Ahai, as I've said many times in the Weirwood Compendium and elsewhere, seems to have forced his way into the Weirwood realm to steal its magic, very like Waymar forcing his way into the haunted wood. And this invasion of the Weirwoods seems to have forced the tree spirits, the spirits of the dead Old One Green Seers inside, out of the trees. The icy bodies that the Greenseer spirits then inhabit must be like golems, I'm thinking, most likely brought to life by the sacrifice of the children given to the others. In this way, the others are like walking weirwood spirits, pissed off at being evicted from their comfy tree home, but also kind of like frozen green men. This would give a very nice and neat actual in-world explanation for why the others seem like icy ice she, like pissed off nature guardians who walk the woods and want to kill the green seers who are now using their trees. The way I see it, all the green seers coming after Azor High are essentially following in his legacy of trespassing in the wood. Because it seems like, and check out the Weirwood Compendium series for more, Azor High's invasion of the Weirwood Net permanently scarred it and emptied it out. Think of him as metaphorically setting fire to the trees and burning out the old green seer spirits who become the others. The emptied out white weirwood trees then become white trees, W-I-G-H-T white, because they're essentially corpses with most of their minds and souls removed. And in fact, that's exactly what the weirwood trees look like, isn't it? With their bleeding, anguished faces, bone white bark, and leaves like bloody hands. They look like dead people, like zombie trees, like white trees. These hollowed out zombie trees have since become a home for a new hive mind of green seers, many of whom are humans like Bloodraven and Bran, and like Azor High, whom I think of as the first human invader of the Weirwood Net. This dovetails very nicely with what I've predicted for Bran in the King Bran series, which is that Bran will have the entire Weirwood Net hive mind downloaded into his little Bran brain because it needs to get out of the trees. This opens up the heartwarming possibility, it's a warming up the heart tree joke, of the others getting their home back, which would probably look like their icy bodies dissolving into mist and their spirits dissolving back into the wood. The fandom as a whole has been looking for a solution to the problem of the others, which is more complex than simply slaying them with fire and sword for years. And I believe this is it. Get the Greenseer hive mind out of the weirwoods and let the otherized hive mind, which was driven out into the cold all those long years ago, back in. I've actually had this approximate scenario of Weirwood Other Creation in my head for several years now, and one of the biggest reasons why is that there is a consistent pattern of finding either dead or corrupted Weirwood associated with the Others, as if the creation of the Others has something to do with the corruption of the Weirwoods. And that, my friends, will be the topic of an upcoming video, which I'm thinking of calling The Corruption of the Weirwoods. So make sure you subscribe to the- oh, 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 there I go, stepping on the toes of our special guest promo reader. Yes, exactly, and that is why if I had been there, quite frankly, King Bran would not have had my vote. Yes, I raised him as best I could, but... So back to what I was saying earlier, instead of a king, we'd sort of take turns acting as a kind of executive officer of the week. 
And then all the decisions of that officer... Have to be ratified at a special bi-weekly meeting, exactly. Yes, I see. By a simple majority in the case of purely internal affairs. But by a two-thirds majority in the case of more... I see. Well, uh, Bernie and Old Nan seem to be deep in conversation, so I will just thank you for watching the video, ask you to click like and subscribe, do all the things, leave a comment, tell me how much you like my Weird Walkers video, and I'll see you next time, friends. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.